Hey everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're gonna find two things in this feed. In this season, you're gonna find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois. And you're gonna find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're gonna find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. Get Rich Quick. That's the name of this set of messages we're going, uh, we're studying the book of Second Peter. If you have a Bible, I hope you'll turn there. I want to grow us this fall. We put the verses on the screen to try to help us along, but you're going to get more out of the next few minutes if you have your own copy of the Bible that you're looking at. Um, and if you want to take one out of the row there, and if you want to take it and steal it, by all means, in Jesus' name, go for it. Uh, we want you to have your own. It's not stealing if we say you can take it. Do you see how that works? So I want you to get your eyes on a copy of the Bible. Uh, this is Second Peter that we're studying and this set of messages is called Get Rich Quick. And the message today is about living a life of power. Living a life of power. My uh, oldest son is started high school and he's playing on the football team. And um, at the very beginning of football, they made it clear to them and they started out getting ready this summer that part of every day was learning to play football better and part of every single day was going into the weight room. And I remember him saying to me, like, I really like the... The football part, I don't like love the weightlifting part as much. And uh, I was talking to one of the people, I kind of saw someone in passing, and the coach said to me that the lifting weights part is actually as or more important as the learning how to play football part because in football, stronger, faster, better is how you win the game. And so they invest a substantial amount of the time assigned to them to learn in growing physically stronger. And why do they start all the way back in January preparing for a football season that is just about to start? Because growing in physical strength takes time. It takes time. Growing in spiritual strength takes time too. The reason why we titled these messages Get Rich Quick is because uh, a lot of people in the world believe the lie that there's a shortcut. There's a, there's a like, if, I, if you just watch this video, if you just do this diet, if you just uh, take this pill, if you just whatever, then you're going to get the thing that you're looking for. And we're aiming to uh, do something a little bit more rigorous, which is to study the Bible for what it actually says. This message is about having a life of power. Um, and it, it's a tricky thing that we're going to talk about today. It's one of the most mentally challenging things to understand about living our faith. Uh, I try to sum it up like this, and then I'm going to teach it to you from 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, a life of power is free, but you have to try. It's a gift, but you have to work for it. Living a life of power requires both understanding that the good news of Jesus Christ is a free gift that I can't earn and don't deserve, and he gave it anyway, Living a life of power that is possible through Jesus Christ requires a lot of energy and effort. So 2 Peter chapter 1, we made it to the third verse. It says this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence 
by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Ah, I imagine Peter, who's writing here, uh, is one of Jesus' apostles. We talked about that last week. I imagine him a little bit like the way my third son, Graham, lives in the world. As the third boy, every time it's his turn to talk, he talks uh, with a number of words like this is his only chance to talk <laughs> for the rest of his life. So when he gets his moment, he just kind of like grabs the microphone and then he's just going to get everything he can out of it. Notice in what's on the screen here, there is only one ending of a sentence at the very end there. That whole thing is Peter. He just gets going. He's sort of like, he gets excited under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and just starts throwing things out, clause after clause after clause. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. <gasps> Take a breath. He's saying this. Through Christ, you can live a life of power. Through Christ, you can live a life of power. You are not stuck with the same habits and frustrations and patterns that other people can't get rid of their whole lives on this planet. Through Jesus Christ, things can be different. So he's, I'm going to take you phrase by phrase through here and try to summarize what he's trying to say. His divine power, so it's pointing at his divinity. His divinity has given, that word granted there means to present or to bestow. It's emphasizing that it is a gift. In God's divine power, he has given us, this is beautiful, all things that pertain to life and godliness. I encounter situations often where I feel like I don't have what I need to deal with this situation. Do you ever get there? I don't know how to download another app to figure out another thing for another whatever. I don't know how to do it. I can't figure it out. I don't know how to figure out what's wrong with my car. I don't know how to get this insurance company to listen. I don't know how to fix this relational problem. Like sometimes we're like, I don't have the tool that I need to solve the problem right in front of me. That is often the way that we feel. But what a promise this verse is making to us. That through Christ, we have whatever we need. How? Well, it says that's the second part of verse three. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. That when we know Jesus, we find continually the experience of finding and knowing how to deal with the challenges of life. The knowledge of Jesus, it grants us the very great and precious promises of God, it says there in verse four. When he says the precious and very great promises there in verse four, he's trying to emphasize these are the main ones the most important ones, the, the greatest promises. I'm doing a wedding uh, this afternoon. Uh, I'm doing a wedding outside this afternoon. So 50-50, one of the groomsmen will faint because he didn't drink enough water. Is where we're probably headed. But when he says here the very great and precious promises of God, he's saying the main ones, not the less important ones. I think we can all understand, obviously, the difference between me promising Kristen uh, that I'll fill the car up with gas on the way home and promising at the front of a church that I'll be a partner through sickness and health no matter what life takes for my whole life. We can tell the difference between, 
And he's saying here, when he's saying the very great and precious promises, he's saying like the main ones. What are the main promises that God has made to you and to me if we're in Christ today? He died for our sins. He rose from the dead. He's coming back for us someday soon. Through Christ, we know the very great and precious promises. And through those promises, still in verse 4, we have become partakers of the divine nature. So we have access to the same power that God has. Because we've escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. Okay, so I want to just help us get this because it's complicated. Uh, so he's saying we start, we start with knowledge. We start with an understanding. It's a note card that says the word knowledge if it's not big enough. Because of Jesus, we start with the knowledge of who God is and what he's done. But then his promises... As we learn his promises, those kind of go inside and enhance my sense of the knowledge of God. And through that, that's at the end, because I don't have, the, I don't have to live the same way the people who are living in the corruption of the world have to live. I have access to hope and peace in Jesus Christ. It's like, the, you know, these boxes that you can keep putting them inside? My mom used to get these to save space at Christmas to put all the presents inside. And so inside, the whole thing here... If you wanted to see me totally mess that up, you should have been here on Thursday. Uh, there were pieces all over the place. It was a disaster. So the knowledge of God inside the knowledge of God is the promises of God. Inside the promises of God is the hope and peace that comes from knowing I am not stuck living in the world the way other people are living in the world. All of this, to back to what I said at the beginning of this section, through Christ, I can live a life of power. So the corruption of the world is why relationships are broken and marriages fall apart and it seems like no matter how much money we spend, we can't solve the problems of homelessness in our culture or just pick your thing, whatever the thing is. Through Christ, I can live a life of power. That's that famous verse that people love to quote, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. I like learned that as like, you know, I'm like uh, five foot eight in seventh grade and if I just want to enough, I can dunk a basketball, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not, it's not what's, it's not talking about frivolous or fruitless things. That verse is pointing to what this verse is pointing to, through Christ, I can live a life of power. Okay. For this very reason, so that was everything he just said, now was to get to the point he wants to make, verse five. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. So he did it again there. Do you see it? He just got excited and then kept writing for a few verses, a long sentence, where he's making this point. First, I said through Christ you can live a life of power. Second, he's saying a life of power is internal character manifesting in outward choices. So the reason why so many people fall for the get-rich-quick schemes is they're aiming to change the fruit on the trees without changing the seed that's in the ground and the tree that comes from it. The reason why so many people fall for this, just watch this video and your marriage is going to be better, just like watch this TikTok and you'll figure out how to parent your kids. The reason why so many people fall for the quick schemes is it's like they're climbing a, an apple tree and thinking if I just paint all these fruits orange, this becomes an orange tree. 
That's the way so many people are living in this world. And so what he's saying is, because of what you have in Jesus Christ, do you see it there? He says, make every effort. Because of what you have in Jesus Christ, do the work. Because of what you have in Jesus Christ, get off your backside and get in the game and start to make something happen. Uh, and so he gives us a list. I, I don't know, to be honest, if um, the list is like, it's sequential and it's going in order, or if he just like got excited under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and said a bunch of things. If, if I was to try to make the list into something that made sense, it would be something like this. Uh, Faith is the root of moral virtue, and such virtue is linked with what we do with our knowledge of God. If we use this knowledge well, we will exercise self-control. Such self-control will give us ability to endure difficulties. Endurance will then lead to godliness in our relationship, and these relationships will be governed by brotherly affection and Christian love. Something like that. I, I didn't make that up. I, was, I should have been clear about that. Uh, that's like how maybe I could make that whole list, but a different way of looking at it is he's saying, once you see the salvation that you have in Jesus Christ, do the work of building the inside of a person who knows. It's like he's saying salvation is the main dish, now add to it all the side dishes of character. So it, it's this question, this is an important question to understand if you wanna follow Jesus well. How can grace require effort? Because at the base of our faith is this, it's a free gift. We sang about it this morning. We prayed about it this morning. We, if you've been in church for any five minutes at all, you've heard somebody say like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It's a free gift. Yet he's saying in the verse right here, make every effort. In a second, he's going to say, be all the more diligent. So how can grace require effort? Um, it's this. Uh, salvation without power is cyclical and confusing. So there are people who have build a relationship or meet Jesus Christ or walk an aisle or pray a prayer, but they don't live a life of power by supplementing the faith that they have with virtue and they end up being caught in these cycles that are so frustrating and confusing. They're miserable and frustrating. I spent a bunch of years as a youth pastor and the most unhappy people are people who know enough of Jesus to feel guilty about their foolish choices but don't have enough power to overcome them or change their behavior. Those are the people that are the most unhappy are people who are like stuck. I used to call it the miserable middle. And I would watch, you know, we'd go to a youth camp or some kind of thing and I'd be preaching and, and saying this and this and this and then the students, you know, they'd, oh yes, Lord, I'm, I'm changing my ways. I'm, I'm going a different direction. I'm gonna start living for you, Jesus. And then a few weeks into school, back to my old pattern and then back to youth camp again a few months later and then they would go like this or around in a circle in this cycle and it is so frustrating to know that there's a life of power in Jesus Christ, but not to be living it. And then the part that's really tough, salvation without power is, like I said, cyclical and confusing. It's miserable and frustrating. It's also true that salvation without power is sometimes not salvation at all. And as we gather uh, on this Sunday in this church, there are people that will be here and there are people that will be in all kinds of churches all across this city, state, country, and world who have some knowledge in their head about who Jesus is, but have never come into a transformative relationship with him. And that is often evidence of someone who doesn't have salvation at all. 
That's a warning, uh, and Peter's going to talk about that quite a lot, but it is something that we're supposed to pay attention to. It's something that's supposed to... What Peter's aiming for is that if your life has no power over sin in it, it is possibly, even likely, evidence that you don't actually have salvation in Jesus Christ at all. If we can't look at you and like see if nothing's different, now how does this get hard? That's so easily, the way I'm talking, so easily can fall over this way into that sort of really legalistic, uh, if you don't do X or Y, or if you this or that or that, that means you don't have salvation at all. And we're trying to live right here biblically with what the Bible teaches us. He says, so make every effort to supplement your faith. So if you already have faith, make every effort to add to your faith virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, which is like faithfulness or steadiness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. Those are internal things, all of them, that when those things are inside of me, they can't help but change in a powerful way the choices that I make. Then the last part. So then he says, so... If these qualities, verse 8, so that, that whole list I just gave you, if these qualities are yours, here's the key part, and are increasing, so not only do you have them, but they're, there's more self-control in me than there used to be. There's more knowledge in me than there used to be. There's more love coming out from me than there used to be. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you have these things, you aren't going to be one of those people who like has the uniform but isn't doing the job. You're not going to be one of these people who's like on the team, but the coaches are kind of secretly hoping you don't show up to the game so they don't have to put you in. He's saying if you have these qualities, they keep you from being ineffective for whoever lacks these qualities, verse 9, is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Anybody uh, in the room today, like, at the, if I don't wear my glasses, I wouldn't know if you were, like, a preacher or an alien up there? Anybody in the room, like, I'm at that? Yeah, okay. It's surprising you sat in the back knowing that that's true, Tommy. Yeah. Uh, so if you have, like, a serious prescription, you know how useless you feel if you don't have it, Right? how confused, how, especially once you've been wearing the glasses or the contacts for a long time and you're just not used to it. You just, that's the picture that he's using. He's saying if you don't have a life of power and increasing godliness, you're like a person who can't see because you forgot that you were cleansed from his, your former sins. What does he mean? He's saying if you have forgiveness from Jesus, his blood has washed you and cleansed you from your sins. You're not stuck chained to the foolish things that you used to be stuck chained to anymore. But yet there's people who just stay in the jail cell even though the shackles are off and the door is open. You're so blind, you don't realize you're not stuck with that life anymore. So he says, therefore, brothers, verse 10, therefore, be all the more diligent. I love that. Diligent is a, use, a word that Kristen always uses uh, when she sends the boys out the door for school in the morning. It's like one of the best words you can be described at is in our family. Diligent is like, 
paying attention, doing my work, focused and on the ball. He says, therefore, be all the more diligent. Like, max out your effort and energy to confirm your calling and election. He's saying, be the person you actually are. Act like God chose you because he did. Saying, so be all the more diligent to show, oh, for sure. Yeah, he's on my team. I'm with Jesus. Why? Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election for if you practice these qualities, up to the top of that list we just had a few verses ago, if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. I'm just trying to read the Bible and teach it to us. I gotta say, never fall sounds pretty good to me. Anybody tracking with like, if you got this, you will never fall. If you got this set of things inside of you, does it mean you're not gonna hit a speed bump? Of course not. Does it mean you're not gonna come up to a challenging situation? Of course you are. Does it mean you're not gonna be lying awake at night wondering, God, how are you gonna get me through this one? Of course, all those things. But if you have these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, he says, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is tricky. So he's saying, if you aren't growing in love, if you aren't growing in knowledge and self-control and brotherly affection and steadfastness, you may not have like the, the ticket that you need to make it into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's saying, so be sure, be diligent. Make like, take a ton of energy to make sure you actually got the thing because if you don't have the thing, you can't make it there. But if you have the thing, nothing can stop you. Uh, on our vacation earlier this summer, uh, we took the boys. It's one of the coolest places I've ever been. Outside of uh, Park City, Utah, they have this place where they had the Olympics 20 years ago. And uh, they turned all the winter Olympic stuff into this like outdoor park. So they have all the bobsleds and the skiing hills. And there's like all this cool stuff for the kids to do. And I saw it online and I knew we were going to be there. So I bought the tickets. And uh, the tickets for the kids to spend these like few hours at this like adventure park were expensive enough that I bought them far enough advance that I would forget about how much it cost by the time we got there because it would feel <laughs> less painful. I don't know if that's anyone. But I, you know how this goes. So I bought the tickets. It's Friday, 9 to 12. And I had them in my inbox. And it was like the last day of our vacation. And I mean like every single day of the whole week, I was like, I would check again. Okay, Friday, 9 to 12. Then I'd like wake up and think, did I buy tickets for Thursday? Okay, better check again. I'd tell, you know that thing where you search the same thing over and over and over because you're just, why? Because I had this, I was so excited about this fun thing the kids were going to do on the last day of vacation. And if I didn't have the right ticket, we weren't going to make it in. Uh, it's one of my family's famous stories that years ago, my mom showed up at Wrigley Field for a Billy Joel concert on Friday when she, and to find out she had tickets for Thursday. It was tough. It was tough. It was tough. It was, it was, yeah, I, I know. It wasn't. So the room, just, the room just rippled with empathy for a person who didn't make a concert in a cool place from a fading artist of who knows when. Yet there are people all around us right now who don't have the real thing to make it to the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
he's saying a life of power, it takes ongoing energy, and it takes connection to the power source. So, is a life of godliness the thing that gets you into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ? Is a life of generosity or of love, is that the thing that gets you there? No, but everybody who gets there has it. Simple, short, I spent like most of the summer at these basketball tournaments and you walk around and like every single mom in the whole place is like six foot two. And it's like, do you have to be a six foot two woman to have a basketball star son? No, but somehow most of the people who are there seem to be like that. Simple. It's evidence of a reality inside of you. He says, these things are increasing. And there are many people because the way uh, many people, the kind of church they were raised in maybe or came from and we're almost done, uh, they were kind of taught to detach believing in Jesus with living your life for him. A lot of people were given the thought that as long as you, you said those words, prayed that prayer, signed that card, did that thing, as long as you kind of got that, then you're good. And like kind of, you know, do whatever, but like, you can try to be a good boy or whatever, but do whatever and, and you're fine. And there's two problems with that. Uh, one, people who live that way are genuinely mostly pretty unhappy living like that. Because if you aren't growing, you're receding or struggling or going backward and it's a very frustrating way to live. And like I said, many people who are that way don't actually have true saving faith. And so Peter is saying here, you can live a life of power. It just requires ongoing energy. It's like uh, you have to learn that the wedding isn't the finish line, it's the starting line. A lot of people think that like getting to the front of the church is the hard part. Can I get a witness? That was the easy part. Can I get a witness? That was, can I get a witness around the room? Okay, I'm gonna tell everybody at this wedding this afternoon that I'm doing, yeah. It's that. So it requires that we understand this paradox. I got a bunch of them to help us with this. It is God that gives us, because we saw at the beginning, this awareness of who God is and a desire to live with a life of power is a gift. Also, our energy shows that we have it. It's like um, God gives the fuel, but I have to drive the car. It's like uh, God plants the seeds, but I have to tend the garden. It's like God composes the melody, but I have to sing the song. It's like God lights the flame, I carry the torch. It's like God writes the script, I act the role. God casts the net, I haul in the catch. All of that, all those ideas. On the one hand, we need God to give us the supernatural thing that comes inside of us that gives us desire to live. But what I'm trying to push some of us towards is we also, like the scripture says there, a lot of us could grow in being a little bit more diligent. A lot of us could grow in, maybe I'm making, he says there, make every effort. Like, ah, maybe I'm making some effort. I mean, you got here, so you're, some, you know, somewhere. If you practice these qualities, he says, you will never fall. And my heart today, uh, I know we gotta go and get to the meeting and this other stuff, but my heart today is towards puncturing once and for all, for anybody who can hear my voice, the myth of the indifferent Christian. 
this idea that you can have saving faith, but really it doesn't matter at all to you to like do anything with it. We try really hard to be gracious because oftentimes, you know, we have indifferent Christians in our household or in our life or people we're going to see at Thanksgiving or people that we care about or I got a whole phone full of all my knucklehead friends, you know, the rotating cast of characters that I bring up to use during the sermons and there, a lot of them are in this space and we love these people, but it can sometimes cause us to be a little bit dishonest. The Bible doesn't have a picture of someone who has faith in Jesus but isn't really interested in practicing it. So we see powerless Christians all around us, and it can lure us into thinking that that's okay or fine or normal or the way that it kind of is supposed to be. That's not a real thing. So that's what I was trying to say, and I got a couple application points. It's free. Yeah, the gift of Jesus Christ is free, but you have to try. It's a gift, but you have to work for it. And that doesn't make it any less of a gift. It shows evidence that you understand the gift. And man, so many of us are living a life of weakness when God wants us to live a life of power. And I wonder if it's just a, a moment to shift or to lean in or to stand up into something more. Yeah, I... Um, I don't always like it when it feels like the answer to everything is like another thing the church wants you to do. But for some of us, like, stay for the meeting and join the church and say, I'm not gonna roll in like once every when I wake up and feel like it. I'm gonna opt into being part of trying to grow every single Sunday unless I'm like really something. I'm gonna be here and I'm gonna lean in and I'm gonna make it happen. We talked about it last week. We're gonna keep talking about it. We're starting this... Uh, Class, as part of this church school thing that we're doing, it's going to be offered Thursday morning, Thursday night, Sunday morning. This class is designed to help people who've known Jesus for a minute start to live a life of power. I'd love for you to, you could use that QR code, you could sign up for it. Uh, we've spent all summer praying about how to help as many of us as possible take the next step. This is the best we can do. We would love for you to be part of it. Maybe it's something else for you. It's getting in the Bible and not listening to someone like me talk to you about it, but getting in the Bible for yourself. Maybe your life is a life of weakness, not a life of power, because you're holding on to this one unforgiveness from a few decades ago that you've fallen for the cultural lie that like being a victim is a place to stay, not a place to get through, and you're just stuck back over here, and so you don't have any power. There's a bunch of different things. Okay. So back to the text, and then uh, we're done. Tavon, wherever you are, bud, you can come play. Thank you. So he says, I just want to read the text to you again and bring it through. So he says that through Jesus, his divine power, it is granted to us all the things that pertain to life and godliness. So he's trying to say, whatever question you're asking, whatever thing you're trying to figure out, the divine power of Jesus Christ has given it to you. And that's through the knowledge of him who called us, who the knowledge of him has been granted to us, his very great and precious promises. And through these promises, you can become partakers of the divine nature. That's his way of saying, you can live a life of power because you've escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So for this very reason, 
Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and your virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just pause there for a second. Wouldn't it be like such a devastating thing to find out that your Lord and Savior finds you ineffective or unfruitful? For whoever lacks these qualities is so <laughs> nearsighted, he's blind, he's forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're right here in this little spot right here where Jesus has died on the cross. Jesus has rose from the dead. He's in heaven awaiting his return. And our little life is in this moment right now in this in-between. And in the 10,000 times, 10,000 times, 10,000 years that are the life to come in the rich kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. All there is then is what do we do here? I'm doing my very best to try to inspire us from God's word this morning without falling into that easy guilt where you feel terrible right now and then 20 minutes from now, eat a donut and never think about it again thing that's so easy to fall into. And so I just pray that if God is working in his spirit through you, we have some steps. I think this class, like I'm saying, has, it's a real step. For some people, it's a real step that I think is gonna be tremendously helpful to you. And uh, for others, I'm sure it's other things. A life of power is possible through Christ. It takes ongoing energy and connection to the power source, Jesus Christ. I wanna pray for us before we go. Would you stand to your feet? Let's just take a sec, gather up into our hearts whatever God's been talking to us about today. I'm thankful, Lord, that you uh, have given us the fuel that we need for what you've asked us to do. And I just want to pray in Jesus' name that you would strengthen and build up every person in this room to live a life of power. You've entrusted each one of us with different circumstances or challenges. And uh, we need you, Lord. So I'm just asking for your help for all these friends. I pray it in Jesus' name. If you agree, please say amen. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is Good News.